there. I am Catherine Troyer, and I am delighted to be joined by Anthony Tresca. Hey! We are your co-hosts for the Such a Nightmare Conversations About Horror podcast. And this is our Eerie Extras series, which is essentially the place where we put everything that we can't fit in anywhere else. And today we wanted to talk to you about a, a new release. So today is September 22, 2021, and we are going to be talking about what film, Anthony? We're going to be talking about, and I can only say this at a maximum three more times after this. This is true. Candyman 2021. Do you know, I I was having <laughs> a conversation the other day about Candyman, and I realized, and I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable just saying that word over and over. It really is amazing how, how that film... And the franchise really builds in that, like, don't say it anymore. Please it's, stop saying it's it. It's really akin to, I think, the relationship that theater people have with saying Macbeth yes. in a theater space. It's very ritualistic. You can't you can't break the ritual. You can't. It, it feels wrong, yeah. too. It feels wrong. Also, the, the part of me that is was always a very anxious child, one of my fears, which this should tell you a lot about me, was that I would accidentally summon bloody mary right because like you know the the one of the versions says like if you turn around when flushing the toilet and and then so there would be a huge period of time where i would like blindly reach behind me because i was like don't want to accidentally summon something today so i i have a lot of, of concerns about accidental summoning which again i think tells you a lot about me but that's not what we're going to be focusing on what we're focusing on is this 2021 candy man which has gotten a lot of attention deservedly so uh in part because we are having a fantastic set of, of people working on this film you know it's being spearheaded by jordan peele uh nia costa i thought she she her directing was just exquisitely beautiful. The acting was, was phenomenal, uh, and and we had some reoccurrences of some of our favorite characters and favorite actors from the original Candyman. So there's just so much that deserves to be discussed about this. So Anthony, where would you like to to sort of begin our discussion? Well, I think uh, I want to just reaffirm a lot of what you said. I thought that a a lot of the strengths of this film were definitely in. Nia DaCosta's directing, which often elevated uh, a script that I had quite a bit of problems with. Uh, I, I thought that the, yet like, like the first Candyman, almost all of the problems lie in the writing in this movie. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Uh, in, so in that way, as well as in many other, in many other of the film's problems, I would say it's very, it's a perfect spiritual sequel to the original film because it has so many of the same types of problems around it yes but also remains so fascinating and deeply compelling and interesting that you cannot completely write it off because of its problems yes. that it has i i think so that's the ultimate experience that i had in i i had a that. very a very similar experience so so let's let's start with Candyman. so the original Candyman. um right. for me it is a film that i find myself liking more than the actual artifact itself sometimes deserves. And right. and I think that what I mean by that very explicitly is that there are ways in which we can say this film is interesting because it's itself an urban legend, so it's okay if things don't make sense, but that only excuses some writing issues so far. But the bigger problem for me, and I, I think for you too, and this was articulated in the, the book Horror Noir, is that at the end of the day, Candyman is a film about 
a delicate white woman, Helen, and, and white privilege and how dangerous and scary uh, black men slash the urban environment are. And that is such an unacceptable position for anything to take, let alone for something to be taken in the 90s. Yeah, it is, it is um, astonishing that that film was able to be made. I mean, I guess not actually. Yeah, I was going to say, is it though? When, <laughs> when you real, when like you like historically look at just like how racist all of our institutions have been from just a structural perspective. Uh, so it, I guess it does make sense. But also it's a horrifying message that this film does seek to rectify and make amends of. Yes. So- and I, and yeah. I think Sorry. On a, to the film's strengths, it does fix the problems that were present in the 90s film in yes. a lot of the ways. But to its weakness, it creates a whole bunch of new problems that now it, I feel it needs another film to solve the problems that are introduced in this 2021 version of Candyman. Yes. So there's <laughs> a an article that came out about uh, the 1992 Candyman by Aviva Briefel and Cian Nagi, and I'm sorry, I slaughtered those last names. But I want to read the first two sentences of their article because the questions they ask, I think, are the questions that Candyman 2021 sought to solve. And I'm going to divert my eyes a little bit because I, I have it on my other screen. But it says, is it a privilege to be haunted or afraid? Is fear somehow endowed with the status of an inalienable right or property conferring dignity or legitimacy on the individuals who experience it. And their whole article is, is that there is a privilege built into who gets to be afraid and who gets to articulate that fear. And I think that this film said, let's talk about the, the demographics that we have historically stripped of their ability to be afraid when they are the people who should be the most afraid in our systemically racist society. And that is like, bravo, like, so fantastic that this film and is seeking to tackle that choosing to use an artist as the primary person within the black community when of course i imagine nina DaCosta herself would also and jordan peele for that matter uh, would also have felt very similar as an artist trying to speak on their fears in a still largely white industry Yes. There's that moment where the, the film, I don't know if it, it's, he's not a critic. I think he's um, like the agent or whatever the word is for, for art, uh, visual art. And he's like, uh, but haven't we seen this version of Anthony before? And it's, and he's like, yeah, but aren't these still just as important of issues as they were a few years ago? Right. And there's, there's a really interesting way in which I think you're absolutely correct that, that that character becomes a way for, for both DaCosta and Peel to articulate what it means to be a black artist and in Peel's case, what it means to be a black artist and, and a male black artist of that. And, and a male black artist who is successful. Yes. Yes. Uh, which, and I, I, I want to talk a little bit further about this main plot line that, uh, Yala Abdul Mateen plays when as Anthony, because I, as the artist, I think it is a fascinating vehicle for horror art, is it, it was there was a Netflix film a couple of years, Velvet Buzzsaw, that was a weird kind of horror film that cr- tried to do something similar with art. But I think it's much better done here. All of the stuff in the art gallery is 
beautiful. That is one of the most beautiful visually scenes ever. The cinematography in that scene alone, it makes the film worthwhile watching. And what it is able to do with hiding the figure of Candyman within Mm. the art and the gallery itself is so visually fascinating. And the scene in which we see Anthony and his girlfriend, uh, with his girlfriend walks in on his paintings that he's been doing of Candyman, and he's just so terrified, and he throws the mirror to break it so she can't summon Candyman. Yes. Terrifying. It's yes. because the art is scary, the emotions are scary. You really believe this moment that is created, and I really, I thought everything in that plot line was really, really well done. Yes, it is just a shame though that that is only like a quarter of what this film is. Yes. So I think that was well done. I, I also think the the power dynamic that was established by having, and you know that I can't remember any characters' names um, other than Anthony, which I only remembered because that's your name. What is yes. uh, the, the main female character's name? Her name is Brianna. Brianna, thank you. Um, which I don't know if that was an intentional naming um to to reference brianna taylor but but brianna and and anthony um there there's also a power dynamic there right Mm -hmm. that's very fascinating because she is she is the broker of his art right she is the representative representative of it and and i found her character i needed a bit more um and i I needed more of the film to be focused on her i think but i found that to be such an interesting duo and and dynamic to have in this particular film about the issues that this film is talking about. I I, I agree. I I wish that that plot line and particularly her side of the plot line and her experience with Candyman both through the art and then I would have loved to see her deal with it more herself other than in that just that final sequence but see it maybe more of the aftermath of that sequence uh, unfold and what she has to do with this knowledge now that she knows the ritual of Candyman, which I imagine is probably what's going to happen in subsequent sequels. Right. But I, I wish it could kind of that had been more of the focus here because I think all of those ideas are really both conceptually interesting. They are well executed from cinematography and directing standpoints, and the actors are mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. They are when those scenes are quite quite amazing yes um and and then another another part of the film that i think really works is the laundromat guy and his experience with Candyman, because and it gets us feature some of the best monologues of the film when he was describing his experience with uh, and the watching of this man suffer and be that flashback scene was fantastic in terms of cinematography i mean obviously the plot was terrible but the way that the film oh that idea that we see that this is a a gentleman that you know um is is suffering from some sort of of mental illness right um or handicap and and the fact that you know he just genuinely wants to give sweets it was it was devastating i mean devastating yeah. and then to watch you know um to watch this little boy watching this man be beaten to death um 
it was just, yeah, so you're so right that there was so much that had power. And I think it's really important for us to pause and talk about the fact that the black community, um, particularly black scholars and black uh, horror critics, are, are really talking about this film. And, and that, to me, is a sign of, of something that is, is doing things that are important. Um, I think yes. many of them have, have articulated some problems, although some have just said this is what we've needed all along. But I want to draw attention to two that I, I think people should uh, look at. I'm going to turn my eye away. So the first is uh, it's on thenerdist.com um, by someone whose pen name is Dark Sky Lady, and it's called How Gentrification Expands Candyman's Urban Legend. Because I mm -hmm. also thought mm -hmm. the scenes in the like abandoned village to be yes. really interesting to, to move from a high riser to this whole like neighborhood uh, in a different configuration. And the I, other I person, really like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, and I love like haunted house narratives and this was a haunted village. Like you can't, you can't yeah. get better than that. Um, the other person who's been writing a lot about Candyman in all of its iterations um, is Danny Bethia and, and last name is B E T H E A. And they write some phenomenal stuff. So they have one on called Candyman is sweet. And then in parentheses and sour for black women. And, and they just kind of really do a good job. They begin by making you have to read Candyman the number of times to summon. And then they just offer this really fascinating examination. So I cannot stress enough that if this film is one you're wanting to dwell in and think about, you are fortunate in that, even though it's like this new release, there's so much already being written on it. But yeah. you and I had a couple of, of problems with, with this film. Yeah, I, I think that there are quite a few elements that are, that don't work as well about, about the new Candyman. And I think a lot of it is around the mythos of the Candyman figure itself and trying to explain it. I'm not sure if all of it works. I like some of the aspects. There's this element that seems to be really popular in, in horror right now and within the zeitgeist of the transcendent element of horror figures. And, and so I did actually kind of like the transcendent element of this Candyman, that it's a thing that can be reincarnated and reinterpreted for the times. And I thought that that was really well done and well utilized. And in that monologue that Coleman Domingo, who plays William Burke, who is the laundromat guy, when he was explaining his iteration of Candyman, and then we get to see this new birth of Candyman, I thought a lot of that was interesting. And but it's only in like three scenes of the movie. It's kind of in the in the background. And so it raised in a similar way to, I think, uh, a, pro a lot of the problems of another Jordan Peele film, us come from just oh, too many ideas mm -hmm. at play mm -hmm. coming. And it, it leads to some messiness inherently within the narrative and itself. I think this is another film. There are so many ideas at play. Yes. And some of them, as we've been talking about, are really excellent. But then there are just some of them that are also there. Yes. And they take up a lot of the yes. film time. And for, and uh, as you talked about, I think, uh, so I want you, you should share this. We talked about it a little bit before. It can lead to some moments that are just not as exciting, kind of boring, if you've seen the other Candyman. Yeah, so so first your issue of sort of just um, having a lot packed in there and, and sometimes at the detriment of, of creating a, a sort of more cohesive narrative. I, I think very specifically of a scene that I actually really like, but it's 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 raising a whole different issue, and that is when the the uh, privileged 
white girls because the the non-white girls are like nope uh leave and then there's the bathroom scene and it's interesting and it's clever because it's saying like who is it that that can quote that thinks they can get away with the very things that that other people's do that put their lives at risk right like who are the people that can walk down the street and not have to think twice if a police officer drives by um and and it is it's the the white girls right or the white privileged folk and so i thought that was really clever but it it took up time that i needed elsewhere uh in this particular narrative yeah and i think another another thing about that scene in particular and was another problem throughout the film is i felt that the way that the film revealed information was often confusing at best or just kind of just like unnecessary at points like with that scene that felt like an er a scene that should have been delivered early on yeah Yeah. it's a scene that sets the like idea of who Candyman is and why it's happening but it happens right before the start of the third act at a point in which we've already experienced Candyman at play and happening several times yes several times within the narrative, yeah. the story's narrative and the character's narrative. So we believe it. And then we cut to a random cut scene of these people, which is an interesting scene in and of itself, but within the larger narrative, it's ultimately unnecessary. Yes, yes. So to go to go back to the, the other point that, um, that you were alluding mm-hmm. that I had a problem with, I have to begin by saying that, you know, I, I am speaking as a, a white, woman and so it is possible that my interpretation of this is different than than a black audience members would be Mm -hmm. but as a horror person which i i feel like many people that go into Candyman are going to go into it kind of excited about Candyman. i know what's going to happen right i know that this is not going to end well that Candyman is going to to win the day um in some variant that that this is that this is going to be a tragedy right i know that because it's black horror and black horror except for when peel is saying let's have comedy because we need that in this moment in time um black horror is is and deserves to be cast as a a tragedy right um so i know that's going to happen but so much of this narrative is the characters well, what's happening? What's going on? Who's Candyman? Let's do some research. I have other questions. And then like a bunch of stuff that's like, how come no one's pointing out how gnarly Anthony's skin is is looking? Like, oh, it's so yeah. all those little holes, you know, I have a problem with that. There's just so much. Um, and, and so there was just so much of the narrative where I was at odds, not with the, the horror that the characters were experiencing, but with the horrors ju- or but with the character's journey to that horror. And so there were times that, that what felt um, life-threatening to them in this discovery of knowledge did not feel like something that I was on the same path, right? I had already taken those steps. I knew where we were going. And so there were times that while my eyes were feasting on what I was seeing and I was enjoying the performances, I, I was not always as engaged because the outcome seems so inevitable. And I think that was something they should have just leaned into. I think yeah. they should have leaned into the acknowledgement that we all knew how this was going to end because this is America. Um, and and yeah. spent more time dwelling in the horror than dwelling in the journey to the horror. I, I agree. And because I think this film could have used, could have benefited from more of that. And I think if they had just placed quite a bit more of the focus on that art yes. plot line itself yes. and used that to be the kind of shown as like the creative process, I think you could have had 
him transforming into Candyman through that creative process yes. and being expressed visually through the art and the art scene and the art world. And I think it would have been a fascinating story. Yes. Ultimately, that's not what happened. No. But I think that there there's still ultimately a lot of really interesting elements at play. Another kind of thing that I wish I liked more in concept than in execution was a lot of the puppetry work in this film. Uh, it is undeniably beautiful and well executed, but I just also couldn't help feel that a lot of the information that the puppets were given to communicate had already been communicated within the film itself. And so often those sequences, while beautiful, were ultimately not super necessary for the film. Yes. They were yet another one of those, like the bathroom scene, right. like we were alluding to. And it beautifully yeah. directed, beautifully executed. No, yes. there is no qualms with the execution of it. But in terms of necessity, I... yes. So I, I hundred percent agree. Every time I watch the trailer, that's just the puppet trailer, I get chills, and then I, I have to like work hard not to 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 break down crying, right? Because it's it's so evocative and haunting and beautiful uh, and artistic. Yeah. But you're absolutely correct that, that they're, um, rather than using that as a new way to communicate new information, it was almost a, in case you missed it the first time. And there were lots of instances of that, in case you missed it the first time, that again goes back to, I wanted to dwell in the horror of knowing that Anthony was going to go over to that uh, reporter's house and she was going to die. Instead, the scene read as though we were supposed to wonder whether or not he would manage to save her. We know he's not going to save her, and, and moreover, we know that he's now mainly Candyman, right? None of that, I think, is, is a surprise in the narrative, but the narrative built it as though it was a surprise or it was going to be a surprise. Um, and, and again, I think that goes back to this idea that they were sort of um, triple-checking their work, right? Making sure that, that anyone and everyone could come into this film and understand it. And that, I think, was was a bit of a disservice because both Peel and Costa are so exquisite at their craft that their best work is when they're saying, I need you to, to step up your game audience to meet, to meet me where I'm at. Instead of saying, I'm going to step it down to make sure it, it's, it's more appropriate for the common denominator. I think that was sort of its, its weakest uh, element, but yeah, yeah. there and were so many great things that could have happened. Uh, Brianna's uh, brother. I, I really liked having, uh, you know, the, the black queer perspective, but yeah, but it became more of a, he became more of a, the like sidekick character, right? The one that you could rely on for some jokes that didn't always work rather than rely on as another way to examine what it means to, to have fear be a privilege. And I think that that would have been one of the elements that if the film had really dedicated itself to focusing on and taking seriously that central artist storyline and the relationships around that, I think that those characters could have been better utilized, but because it was also trying to explore gentrification, it was also exploring the, theory, the transformation of the community, it was also exploring the ritual element of Candyman, the mm -hmm. transcendent element of Candyman, how specific communities are reacting to this figure of Candyman, and introduce a new person who is coming on to take the role of Candyman, and bring back Vanessa Williams from the first film for a scene. It, so it's, and bring back Helen in a way, right. in some other way. So it's just doing a lot 
Yes. And thus, not everything is able to be done. And I, I you know, to I, its highest. I don't know if I can blame them because I, 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 I very much think that they're approaching this from the like we have one shot right because that's, yeah. that's often all we yeah. are afforded um and that's that's true for for artists that are are not white and an artists that are not male um and not wealthy right you get one shot and and so we see the the ramification of that so again this film becomes sort of independent of itself a really yeah. important criticism and critique of of horror that extends beyond the Candyman narrative and that that makes it yes. worthwhile. That makes it a, a film that I think eventually you and I will do a, a full length episode on this one um, because because it deserves to be unpacked. Um, and there's yeah. just so much in there for, for better and sometimes worse. It, it's a messy text for sure, but it's messy because it has a lot of really interesting ideas yes. that it wants to explore rather than messy because it doesn't have anything to say. Yes. And I, it's messy because it's Candyman narrative. Yeah. Which, it, it, again, as I, I said, this is how what I, I, where I started, and it's I fitting, I think, where it, the conversation is ending. That's what makes it kind of a perfect spiritual sequel to the first Candyman, then, is the first Candyman was also absolutely messy. Had a lot of interesting ideas, did not do them all super well. But, and I think this film is markedly better than the first oh. film because it's not as explicit it's not explicitly racist anymore and so you don't have to overlook that fact when watching it but it's also still messy and but i ultimately really enjoyed it and i would recommend everyone going to check it out yeah i i think that this is a film we need um i yeah. just think that i would also be okay with with more films that allow us to 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 not have to try to put everything into one really small package so we would love to hear your thoughts uh what were your thoughts about Candyman 2021 was it worth the the weight of of you know the the pandemic and having everything delayed how do you feel it stands up and compares to the original as well as the the sort of other Candyman films that some people refuse to acknowledge um <laughs> yeah we just kind of want to know your thoughts you can contact us our social media information is in the description below anthony what else should they know um Feel free to reach out to us on our through our social medias or through our email to let us know what you want to see next from us. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get all of our updates and information about new episodes and fun things we're doing. And as always, have a spooktacular day. <laughs>